Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us again. We're happy to have you with us. Today's November 29th, 2017. We have a wonderful guest today. His name is Dr. John DeWitt, and we're going to be talking about how to treat concussions. A little background on Dr. DeWitt is that for the past decade, he's been carefully studying the research on holistic improvements for the body. He's a doctor of chiropractic medicine. Recently, his focus has been on TBI and contact sports, but it's also led him into helping people with concussions. He has studied how the body works, and he focuses on nutritional ways to optimize brain health and even how to prevent brain injury. So let's bring Dr. Witt on. He also practices in Orange County at Bergman Family Chiropractic. Welcome, Dr. DeWitt. Well, thank you so much, Denise. I'm very honored to uh, be here on the show and share the information that I have. And I know there's been a lot of uh, talk about concussions with, with the uh, new release or the the new book, I guess, uh, that Dr. Amalu came out with, the guy that, that uh, wrote the original book, Concussion. He's come out with a, a new one now that uh, is basically saying some pretty scary things. And I'm trying to to kind of get more information out there to kind of help patients and, and parents understand what, what the risks are and what they should do and, and the risks that uh, their kids might be put put in front of if they go into some of these contact sports. Well, let's start out with how you got on the path that you're on today. Okay. I uh, was, I'm from Fort Smith, Arkansas, the second largest city in the state of Arkansas with a whopping 85,000 people. Uh, that uh, was always a, a wow. good experience for me. I was all, uh, Yeah, I was always outside uh, doing a lot of sports and uh, hunting and fishing and just outdoorsy type stuff. And I um, decided that I was going to um, try to get into Vanderbilt University and didn't really, I played football, but really was a, a late bloomer and didn't really um, come into my own until my senior year, and we won the state championship that year, which was great, and um, I applied to Vanderbilt because one of my best friend's uh, sisters had played basketball there, and she was All-American, and it was really exciting, and it was in Nashville, Tennessee, so I thought it'd be nice to go out of state, and my parents encouraged me to go out of state because they thought it'd be a better learning experience, so I applied and actually was accepted to school and then decided I was going to walk onto the football team, even though they told me that I was too small and too slow. And because it's a, uh, at the time it was in the, well, it was in the Southeastern Conference. 
and um, still is, but uh, went in there and did everything I could, did a lot of uh, really specific goal-setting exercises, would not do anything, um, no soda, no alcohol, no anything that would take me away from my goal of earning a scholarship, and after my first semester, I actually got awarded a scholarship, full athletic scholarship, which my parents were very happy about. And uh, uh-huh. it, it was a really great, great, great experience. And I walked or didn't walk on after that. I uh, had a free agent tryout with the 49ers after I was done playing with uh, Vanderbilt. That didn't work out. And so I ended up coaching my high school football team for a, for a year. And then um, through a round about different things happened and I ran for some scouts with the Houston Oilers back when they were still in Houston and they offered me a contract. I didn't even have a, an agent or anything, which was kind of funny, but uh, called me up, offered me a contract. And at the time it was for $103,000. And I thought that was more money than I had ever even imagined. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. And uh, played there and then ended up playing another 11 years after that with um, the Montreal Alouettes in Canada. I played over in Scotland for a couple of seasons in NFL Europe where we won a championship, which was great. Played arena football in a variety of different cities from Nashville to uh, Los Angeles, actually. And even played in the XFL in San Francisco, which was an, an interesting experience, to say the least. During that time, I had at least four concussions that I can think of. Um, ironically, you know, a lot of times you don't even realize if you've had a concussion because if, if, you, if you can remember, then maybe it wasn't a concussion. But uh, I... A lot of them weren't even in games. They were in practice-type situations where I would go cross-eyed and wouldn't be able to get my eyes to straighten out. I'm like, okay, hold on a second, and you're sitting there hitting yourself in the head trying to get your eyes to go straight. And and it sounds crazy now after all this has come out about concussions, but at the time it's just kind of how it was. And and the whole philosophy was, you know, suck it up, rub some dirt on it, or, or, you know, get back in there, you're going to be all right. And Mm -hmm. uh, that is one of the really sad things that has happened recently. a few, probably six, seven months ago, I went to uh, Mike Ditka's Gridiron Greats uh, Hall of Fame dinner in Las Vegas, and they talked a lot about concussions, and there's a lot of uh, the Gridiron Greats Foundation actually raises a lot of money for the guys that played back in the 70s and even some in the early 80s and that didn't really make a whole lot of money playing football, but now they're in their 70s and 80s and have a lot of physical um, emotional and chemical challenges they're trying to deal with that um, they don't really have the finances to take care of. So that's kind of mm. a way to help raise money for them, which was really sad because it is what was the uh, entire movie concussion was based on uh, Pittsburgh Steeler that uh, was really, I mean, I watched that movie and it was so eye opening because he had gotten to a point where he literally could not sleep unless he, would take out a taser. He was living in his car um, and would take out a taser and tase himself so that it would knock himself out to make him sleep. Oh my gosh. And I mean, mm. it, it was just horrible. And he was pulling his teeth out and then sticking them back in with super glue and all kinds of horrible stuff because he had just oh. had lost his mind be, because of all the horrible traumas to his brain. Oh. And so I saw that and I said, okay, wait a minute now. These times I go into the house and I forget why I was going into a particular room or something, I started getting nervous, thinking, wait, is, that, is it happening to me, the, the chronic traumatic mm-hmm. encephalitis? So I was like, okay, well, let me see. 
what I can do to learn about this. And then even more scary for me personally was my dad recently was diagnosed with early onset dementia and his dad passed away from advanced um, dementia. So dementia and Alzheimer's and he was, he passed away at 72. My dad right now is 73 and I mean, I'm 47, and I'm thinking, okay, that's only that's less than 30 years away. And I know that when I was 10 or 11 years old, I thought 40 sounded old, and didn't think mm-hmm. I was ever gonna, you know, oh, I wonder if I'm gonna be able to play with my kids when I'm 40. I'm like, okay, well, I'm 47, and I realized that 40 is definitely not old. And mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do for concussions, um, and because I used to think it was just a bruised brain, that kind of thing, and you just need to rest. And back in the day, they said don't let them sleep because if they sleep, they might not wake up and that kind of stuff. But the latest uh, research has shown that sleep actually is very important, and it's not actually just a bruised brain or a subdural hematoma, which is just bleeding, you know, underneath the the level of the Mm -hmm. the dura um, in the brain. But uh, it's much more complicated than that and there's a variety of different things that you can do from ironically I went on to become a chiropractor after I was done with football and uh, specialized in advanced sports nutrition concussion assessment things like that and so that kind of guided me into a more holistic approach and so now I've been studying nutritional nutritional ways um, hydration how important water is uh, uh, chiropractic adjustments that you can do specifically for the skull and the upper bones in the neck that really are affected by a concussion because when you think about it, um, and that's what uh, Dr. Malu talks about, is it doesn't matter if you have a helmet and all this super fancy gear on the outside, if you're running really fast and stop really quickly or get hit from the side or from the back or from the front, inertia, which is something that is in motion, is going to stay in motion, your brain is floating in cerebral spinal fluid inside the brain, inside the skull, and so if it stops really quickly, there's nothing to keep it from smashing against the front of the skull and then sometimes even going back and hitting the back of the skull as well or side to side, depending on where the impact comes from. So there's things that you need to do to make sure that you're optimizing your brain health and your chances of uh, staying as healthy as possible. Personally, I'd like to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay, but my wife tells me from time to time, she's, she, if I forget something, she'll be like, uh-oh, mm-mm, yes, that's the football <laughs> coming out. I'm like, well, yeah, that's not funny. That's not funny. Don't tell me that. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a very serious situation, and uh, I think it, um, there was a really – Bob Costas came out recently, had a post on Facebook talking about how he doesn't think that football is even going to be around a decade from now because he's just said it's too – there's too many – bad things happening to people that have played the sport. And so my job is to figure out what I can do to help those people that have already played the sport, have experienced the damage, and the ones that are still wanting to play that can can minimize their risk of experiencing concussion. So that's my very long-winded answer to the question. That's a good one. I, I would think that the longer one plays the game – the um obviously you're going to open yourself up to to um a lot more relative to brain injuries um as you right. go and forward that's where, right and that's where it gets a little tricky because it it also depends on what position you play because a lot of times if you're if you're a lineman you're guaranteed to hit somebody and and usually leading with your head you're going to hit their head 
every single play, and a mm-hmm. lot of times people consider that to be the same as being in a car accident, and that's 60, 70, 80 times in one game. And oh, my gosh. It's just, I mean, and if you're a linebacker or a running back, you get, you're basically getting a running start to smash into somebody. I mean, it's just, it's all great, and we get all, like, you know, animalistic, and like, oh, yeah, knock the guy out, it's great, it's wonderful, it's like, it's exciting to watch, yeah, but it's, for, the, for the players, it's not, it's not so great. And I remember I had a friend of mine, it was so sad, he was a, an all-star running, or a linebacker at Arkansas, and um, when we were playing back in high school, he would hit a guy and start screaming, and guys thought it was all exciting because he was all, you know, acting like he was King Kong or whatever, mm-hmm. and I came over to him, and he was like, no, half the time I'm screaming because it hurt me just as much as it hurt the other guy. Oh, and my gosh. I was like, oh, but uh, – yeah, it's it's a very brutal sport, and I mean, and in my studies with going over concussions, I realized that it's not just football. I mean, there's a lot of sports like women's soccer is, has a really high rate of concussions because the, the women don't have the uh, muscular development in the neck and shoulders to stabilize the head as much, and so they have tried to cut back in use and girls use soccer especially. They they try not to do the hitting of the ball anymore because just hitting the soccer ball. Can, can affect the brain. So I, I mean, I've always thought that. I've always yeah. thought that. I, I would yeah. watch them and I'd go, "Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> they don't even have elbows." Well, it's scary too. You try to, if two people try to go head the ball at the same time and they hit their own heads to each other, it's like, "Oh, okay, that's just." I mean, it's that. It's lacrosse. It's just a variety of, of different sports that you wouldn't really even consider. Even uh, equestrian equestrians a lot of the time have uh, bad concussions because they're on this giant animal. And they aren't wearing the helmet they're supposed to because they don't like the way it fits or it doesn't fit correctly. And, I mean, there's all kinds of, of issues with that. But uh, mm. it's just a mm-hmm. really complex, complex issue that uh, that people need to be made aware of. And they definitely have started, you know, being more aware this year. Well, why don't you talk to us about your findings and what, what you're doing um, relative to treatments. Okay. So there are... 22 bones of the skull, the skull and face, and, and back in 1868, out in uh, Amsterdam, I believe it was, they decided, okay, well, all those bones, once you reach puberty, fuse, and you can't move them anymore. And so it kind of goes back to when, you have, when, when you're a little bitty baby, you have like a soft spot back there, and that's because the, the plates haven't fused yet. But what happens is they found out in 1968, almost 100 years later to the day, well, not to the day, but about 100 years later, in, um, and that was here in America, they found out, well, actually, it's kind of, they're not totally fused because if the bones, the plates of the skull actually fused, that would make the skull very brittle and it wouldn't make it nearly as strong as it needs to be. So it's more like a bridge. If you've ever gone over a bridge, you'll notice it's not one solid piece of concrete there's different sections that are fit together with little almost like finger-like projections that kind of fit inside of each other so it can expand and contract without breaking. So that way it makes it more durable. It makes it a lot more (coughs) um, able to adapt if there's any odd pressures coming from different temperature changes, things like that. Well, that's the same thing that they found with the brain or the spinal or the skull is that they have these sutures that have their own blood supply, their own nerve supply, it's not a, a large amount of movement that you can get. You can get about a hundredth of a, of a millimeter, so not much movement at all. You can actually come in, and if you go to a chiropractor that, that is um, trained in 
uh, cranial adjusting, you can actually feel along the different uh, the suture lines. So there's one that goes straight across the top from one ear over to the other ear and almost splits the, the, the head in half. That's the coronal suture. And then you have the sagittal suture that goes right down the middle, kind of like a mohawk. And then you've got the occipital suture in the back. So there's, there's different sutures that you can actually feel if the bones are shifted just a little bit. So sometimes if they're jammed up against each other, they can, there'll be a little ridge there. Sometimes one can slide a little bit underneath or, or over the other. And you can feel that and you can apply a gentle pressure for about three or four seconds and those will actually line back up again. And when you do that, that increases the cerebral spinal fluid and the actual circulation to that corresponding part of the brain that's directly underneath that part of the skull. And so obviously, if you have any sort of trauma to the skull, then that's going to cause a shift to keep the skull from breaking. And a mm. lot of those bones in our experience in the office, we notice a lot of times they're shifted way over. And uh, we do those adjustments, and that helps take a lot of that pressure off. And then the top bone in the neck, the very top one is called the atlas because it holds the skull up. And then right below that is the axis where it has a little finger-like projection that sticks up called the odontoid process that the atlas rotates around. And those two bones, when there's pressure, when those get shifted one side or the other, it can put a lot of pressure on the brainstem itself. And that's going to affect at least 50% of the nerves to go all the way down to the low back as well. So a lot of times people come in and say, oh, I've got low back pain. We can see on the x-ray the low back is fine. Then we go up to the upper bone in the neck and, oh, that's where the problem is, and you take care of that, and then everything goes away. So everything is connected. We're a really amazing dynamic design, and mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I really love about chiropractic and the whole holistic approach is that you don't want to look at something and say, okay, well, they, a patient comes in and says, I have headaches. You're like, okay, well, how are you sleeping? How much water are you drinking? Let's take an x-ray of your neck to see if you have any misalignments there that could be causing problems. And you, you kind of have to look at a whole bunch of different things instead of the um, more uh, modern medical industry type viewpoint is, well, if you have a pain, then it, it's not something like, like with the appendix. Like, oh, well, if that's bothering you, just take it out. You don't need that anyway. Or if a gallbladder, we see that more and more lately. Oh, your gallbladder, you have a problem with that. We'll just take it out. You're, you're fine. You don't need to really have that. And they don't give people additional information like, hey, you know, you need to really be careful about what your diet is like because, you know, your gallbladder is what helps digest the fats and, and they don't go the next step. And so a lot of patients are like, they didn't even tell me anything. And it's just scary. It's like, okay, well, you don't need to just take it out if it's bothering you. You need to figure out why is it bothering you. And so that's what was concussions. And it, you kind of know already, okay, it's a trauma to the head. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be a hit to the head. It can be a blow to the body that causes such a whiplash effect that it sloshes the brain around inside the skull, and then you have to adjust, or address that as well. So what happens is there's a variety of different things. They call it a neurometabolic cascade of events. So as I mentioned before, it is not just a bruising of the brain. It's, it's actually you have the different nerves, and it go in, I don't know, I don't want to get too technical, but there's a, a depolarization that causes the action potential to jump from one nerve to the next nerve. And then along each of the different roads of, of uh, nodes of Ranvier, they call them. And that's where there are, that causes saltatory conduction, which speeds the, the impulse down. So if you 
put your finger on a, a hot stove, then there, it takes a lot quicker for it to go from the stove back up to your brain because you don't want it to be a slow, slow transmission because then you're going to burn your finger off. So you want it to be quick, and that's what that helps to do with the saltatory conduction. But when there's a concussion, there's a massive nonspecific depolarization of those action potentials in the brain. And so what happens is it starts to release a lot of an excitatory amino acid such as glutamate, and that causes a lot of potassium to go out of the nerve cell. When the potassium goes out of the nerve cell, then that causes the um, ionic pumps inside the nerve cell to try to get more sodium um, out and potassium in, but it also brings more calcium into the nerve cell. And that gets to be an issue because it takes, um, and it all goes back, it's kind of ironic how it all goes back to basic biology when we were in grade school. But you have the, the ATP comes up and it donates a phosphate group and that creates a, a, an energy. The, the energy that we need is all come, it all comes from the ATP that's generated in the mitochondria, which is an organelle inside the nerve cell. And it used to be called the power pump of the cell or the power plant of the cell. But what happens is when you have that massive depolarization, all the calcium comes in, it starts to build up and get sequestered inside of those mitochondria so that the mitochondria start to shut down because they can't actually produce any more energy. And when that happens, then the person themselves, they're, they're going to feel really tired because there's a huge increase in a need for energy, but they don't have any, any energy to get. There's no more um, glucose to, to go through that Krebs cycle. So then lactic acid starts to build up. That, that's from the anaerobic respiration, and that can cause soreness. That can cause a variety of other things. And then it's, uh, there's also a belief that there's some enzymes that get activated, and that in, it leads to apoptosis, which is cell death in the brain itself. So some of the nerves actually start to die. And I was just blown away by all that. I'm like, holy mackerel, because the, the calcium mm -hmm. gets in there, and that just throws, it can cause the, the filaments that go down. The nerve cell um, can get tangled up and start to break, and it's just... I believe 100% that there are ways, and we, there's been a lot of studies on neuroplasticity, that if you're taking in the right nutrients and the right amount of water and things like that, that you can actually um, regenerate some of those nerve cells. But when you do a, have a concussion at, at such a massive scale, it's really hard to make up for that. And at, right after a concussion, the cerebral blood flow, the blood that goes up to the brain, can actually be reduced by up to 50% for 7 to 10 days. So you're already, you're in an energy demand trying to heal and make up for this massive depolarization in the nerve cells in the brain, but then you don't have, you have half the blood that's getting to the brain. So it's just like, oh my gosh, well, okay, we need to figure out how to get more blood to the brain in order for it to have the energy it needs to heal itself. So I was like, okay, that yeah. sounds really complicated. What does that, yeah. what does that mean to people? Like, like what is, like people tell me they have headaches. What is that coming from? Well, the headaches they've shown come from the influx of all the different ions, the calcium, the sodium, the potassium. So that has shown to cause migraine headaches, uh, light sensitivity or photophobia, um, sound sensitivity or phonophobia. And the reason that it's different for everybody, and that's what makes it a little challenging with concussion-type symptoms or traumatic brain injury symptoms, is that it all depends on what area of the brain is affected because if it's in the back 
where the, the visual cortex is that processes vision, then that's going to affect and make people really sensitive to light. We've had a patient, we've had patients come in before that have like sleeping masks on their eyes because they can't handle any light stimulus at all because it just gives them a horrible, horrible headache. And oh, um, the, that energy, energy I, and that's another thing, that, that patient, she was from Hawaii, just on a little side note, she's from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. She is a big surfer and was in a car accident. And uh-huh. I guess the island that she was on, there was only one neurologist, and she went to this guy, and this was this year, went to this guy, and he said, well, you didn't get knocked out, so you, you didn't have a concussion. And I was just like, okay, only about <laughs> 5% of people that have concussions actually lose consciousness. So he needs to get up on the latest stuff because uh-huh. that's, uh-huh. that's kind of scary, and he's the only option there on that island. I'm like, yeah, it's not good. Well, using her as an example, what did you do to help her? Well, with her, it was really important to adjust the bones of the skull to take the pressure off. The top bone of the neck had been rotated immensely, so we took that and over a series of chiropractic adjustments realigned that. We made sure she was drinking 50% of her, wa- of her body weight in water every day. We encouraged her to um, take uh, – there's um, nootropic herbs that I was just speaking about how the uh, circulation to the brain decreases dramatically. And these nootropic herbs like ginkgo biloba and uh, bacopa monieri, things like that, they actually increase circulation to the brain, and that helps to counter that. So that was a really big part of it. And then also um, St. John's wort, that was a really popular herb back, uh, it's a flower actually, uh, probably back in the 80s. It kind of has been shown to use uh, or to be just as effective as uh, um, Prozac for depression. And a lot of times people have depression because they don't even know, because they look fine on the outside. And, And she was really tall, pretty girl. And she, uh, she's like, I'm so frustrated because people think I look fine, but I'm, I'm not fine. And she still, during the process of helping her with this, um, you know, magnesium was another thing that we gave her because that helps to kind of calm down the, the, the ionic flux going on inside the brain. But uh, she would be frustrated because as, we as she was improving during the treatment process, then there were days where she would come in and she would be like, I'm having, I'm having a bad day. Like, I'm, the sound is really too much for me. And so then we would have to tweak our our adjusting. Sometimes we would work. We actually can do an adjustment that works on the inner ear. And there's one as well that works on the um, eustachian tubes because sometimes those eustachian tubes can get affected. And that's what goes from the ear to the soft palate and and the throat. And so um, it took a little bit of time for her, but I would say she was 85 to 90% better within six, seven months. And she was super excited. Her mom came out. It was really mm-hmm. exciting. But it, uh, I'm also working with a, a group down in San Diego, the Beyond Concussion Center in San Diego, and they have um, partnered up with Junior Seau's sister. And, of course, he you know, was really one of the guys that kind of brought it to the forefront as well when he committed suicide and wanted his brain to be studied. And it's just, it's just so frustrating. So many people – don't understand it and so many high schools even in california don't have baseline testing so that and the reason that's important is because if you because everyone is so different it's almost your brain is almost like your your fingerprint as far as how it looks and because different areas process different things differently but um 
the fact that you don't go in, there's something called the King DeVic test, which is, look, it's really simple, and you can even have an app on your iPad where um, the students can come in and you time them to see how fast they can read through a list of numbers, and then you do another test with it's the numbers are a little bit closer together and they're kind of like grouped in an odd kind of way, and that gives you a baseline, and then if something happens to them in a sport, you give them the same test, and if it's slower, then that means they have cognitive dysfunction, and you're comparing themselves to themselves. It's not some random standardized whatever. And so it's that is so much more. Oh, it's an excellent idea. And it's great. They partnered up with the Mayo Clinic and have an app that you can get uh, for your iPad that really helps. And you can even do it on the sidelines or on the um, court side, I guess, for basketball. And what's it and called again? What's it called? It's the King, the King, De, King DeVic test, K-I-N-G hyphen D-E-V-I-C-K test. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, and then there's a couple of other symptoms that I wanted to to talk about. So the impaired cognition, and this this is something that's really frustrating too, because as I said, these people that have suffered, they they look normal and say, but they feel like they're kind of in a in a fog and can't really process things as quickly as they need to, and so we try to get them back into school, back into sports, the whole return to play thing. I mean, it used to be you just sit out for a couple of plays if you got your bell rung, so to speak, and then you get back in there. Well, thankfully, those days are over. There are no more get back in there same day. Um, so hold on one second. But uh, it is one of those things where now they're going to do this, these baseline tests. We're going to make sure they're doing okay. And then you're gradually going to get them back into doing school-type activities first, so they're going to be back to school, and then you ease them in, into back to sports. And, and it's important for that because a lot of the things that people do, when especially high school kids that have any kind of injury, um, they're isolated from their friends because they've had some sort of brain injury and, and they don't really understand it, and so they're going to be on their cell phones texting all day long. And that the, the fact that they're looking down at a – a screen, there's a blue light that comes from that that's going to block melatonin production, which is, makes it harder for them to sleep. And it also, when you look down, it puts pressure on your brain stem, so that's going to make it harder for them to heal. So you need to make sure you don't want to totally cut them off from their friends, but you have to limit the amount of time they can do that, and they have to understand it's for their own good. It's not, you know, they're not in trouble, but they need to make sure they're doing everything they can and that you're doing mm -hmm. everything you can to help your kids heal as quickly as possible. And, um, one of the other things that people get frustrated with is that sometimes it doesn't seem like it, it, it comes back like it used to be. They, seem, they always feel like, you know, I used to be able to do this and this and this, and, I, you know, I can do it, but not nearly as quickly as, as I used to. And, and a lot of that has to do with the enzyme um, activity that kicks in and then the cell, the cell death or the apoptosis. And that's why it's important to make sure that they are getting plenty of digestive enzymes because there's a, a gut-brain connection as well, and 80% of the immune system actually comes from the gut, and right. that is something that you need to really make sure that they're not taking a whole lot of antibiotics and then they're not drinking a bunch of monster drinks and all that kind of stuff because that throws mm -hmm. off their adrenal system and just they're just exhausted all the time. And it's just important to know these kind of things, and it's frustrating because we're just figuring it out now, and, and of course they don't even know what, what 
you know, they don't have a clue, but they've heard, oh, there's a movie, there's concussions, okay. And that's a sad thing, too, is that the teammates and things like that give them a hard time acting like they're just faking it. And that's really... That is that is really, it's really true because my son played football and he did yeah. get a concussion in in practice. You know, a 300-pound kid hit oh. him. And yeah. um, he, he felt sick immediately from it. And mm-hmm. the coach did a shame thing. Oh, yeah. There was another. There was another kid who had lost his vision, his peripheral vision, and mm-hmm. he had both of them in an area, and he had the entire team shaming them for sitting oh, yeah. out. It's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. So and, it's and interesting. It, it's interesting because yeah. what my son did was he went back to the locker room. He got changed, left everything there. And he quit. Yeah, I mean, of course, we were very no pleased reason. about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and that, and that's the thing too. Especially even if it's not in high school, but if it's in like the younger Pop Warner type sports, a lot of times the coaches are actually parents, and you need to make sure that they're aware of how it all works mm-hmm. and things like that too. Because, I mean, you can't you can't treat kids like that. If they're injured, you need to take it very seriously because. Um, a lot of times, this is a really interesting story. I, I remember back when I was in, in high school, there was a guy on the team, really big guy. He was like a 300-pound guy. And uh, we were it was during the playoffs, and uh, we were way out in, like, Nina, Arkansas, or some crazy tiny, teeny, teeny tiny little place. And uh, it was a really big game. He was our star defensive lineman, and he had taken some cold medicine before the game and told the coach, told the, the position coach that he didn't feel well, and so the position coach was like, all right, well, then you, you're not going to play because I'm not going to risk your health, which I was amazed. He was so, such an enlightened coach. His, this guy's dad got so mad when he realized his son wasn't playing. He came running down, and this guy was probably 600 pounds. He was about 6'9", massive guy. Came running down out of the stands, yelling and screaming, got in the coach's face. was like, why aren't you playing, my son, blah, blah, blah. And it's important for coaches to be able to stay calm in situations like that and, and know that they're right and they're doing the right thing and that the child's health is the most important thing. It doesn't matter if they're the star player or whatever. If the team doesn't win, they don't win. That's okay. You need to make sure that all the players are taken care of and that sets a good example that everyone matters just as much as everybody else. So there's, even if they're the star player, they matter mm-hmm. just as much as the guy that sits the bench. I mean, these are all human beings that need to be taken care of, and the coaches are the ones that are responsible for them, so they need to make sure that they're willing to, to put that out there and say, you know what, I don't care. If you don't feel well, you need to let me know. There's no judgment. There's no negativity. You don't feel well, you need to let me know. And another thing, too, with star players, they need to be aware of the fact that if they try to come back too soon from an injury because they feel like they're letting the team down, they need to realize that if they come back too soon, that's actually doing a disservice to the team because they're not going to be at their best and they could actually hurt themselves, but also hurt the team. So they just need to realize, take your time. You're going to get better. It's just going to take a little while. And, uh, you know, it's for, for everybody's sake, you need to just, just relax and, and let it, let it run its course. Has it gotten better? In terms of, uh, you know, how they treat the kids in school now, in the sports? Well, it Has it improved? On, well, it depends, well, it depends on the school because I know I have friends back in, in Tennessee that said a lot of their parents were actually pulling their kids from, from football specifically because they were just like, you know what, it's not worth the risk. And 
And that's one mm-hmm. of the things that Dr. Molly talks about is he said that, I mean, basically he has a very hard line on the fact that human beings were not meant to play contact sports. He's like, we're just not, we're not physically built for that. He's like, mm-hmm. he refers to woodpeckers have a special design in their skull where they can smash their heads against the tree all day long and they're going to be fine. Their brain's fine. We don't have that. And mm-hmm. he said, especially kids between, uh, before the, the age of 18, they don't have all the, the neuronal connections in the brain like they need, so they're very susceptible to injury. So he doesn't ever recommend anyone under the age of 18 to play any contact sports. Well, that's when it gets tricky because you're like, okay, well, if you're in a, a, a bad, you know, you're, you're struggling financially and um, you want to make sure you take care of your family. I knew, it, I knew a lot of guys like this. You want to take care of your family, and the only way you see out of that is to play professional sports or play college mm-hmm. sports or whatever. If you don't play until you're 18, you've already missed your window because 18, you're a freshman in college. So you kind of have to be aware of the risks and, I mean, just make, make the best decision you can and do everything you can to optimize your health and help protect yourself from concussions, which is why I came out with a uh, supplement called Brain Med that actually has those nootropic herbs that increase the circulation to the brain. It actually has something called phosphatidylserine, which is a, a phospholipid that actually helps and has been shown to help improve cognition in people with um, cognitive dis- dysfunction, such as dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. Um, Bacopa monieri, perazine A, ginkgo biloba, all those are those uh, nootropic herbs, and postatine is another one that's really good that's in there, plus the St. John's wort. So all of those different things are in there, plus you need to have those omega-3. So I came out with the Brain Med Omegas that have the DHA and EPA that are really, really good to optimize. It kind of acts like um, like oil for a car and, and make sure that the myelin that's around the, the nerve um, itself mm-hmm. actually allows it to conduct the, the impulses better. And uh, that is something that I'm very proud of, and I'm always optimizing that and have been taking that myself. I gave some to my dad that had the, uh, the early onset dementia, and my mom actually did say that he's feeling he's, he had a lot of really good days in a row, right, when he started taking that. So that was, that was good and encouraging. So I'm just excited to have that out there. And uh, there's a, a webinar that I have called uh, – it's concussionclass.com. You can watch all the different things that I've learned. It's about an hour long, and uh, it talks a little bit about the, the brain med as well. Plus, there's brain boosters you can do, just um, trying to trying to learn a new language, always trying to push the limits so you can try to learn something new. That's always making those new, new neuronal connections, so that's always, always trying to grow, even though they used to say, you know, when you start, reach a certain age, you can learn a new language. Well, that's that's all in your head. You just have to just be like, okay, I can learn. You know, maybe it'll be slower than most people or whatever. That's fine. I'm mm-hmm. just going to learn one that's word true. a day, one word a day, or something like uh-huh. that. And yeah. doing uh, well, you can re- you know you rewire and... you rewire the brain yeah. basically when you challenge exactly. challenge it to do other things. There's you might be interested in a really good book. It's called um, the Brain Bible, and it's by um, a Dr. John Arden. Okay. I interviewed him actually, and um, okay. he did some really great work relative to uh, the brain and the aging brain, particularly, mm-hmm. and what you can do. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that I've learned personally um, is that 
we don't drink enough water. And, I mean, I've had right. patients that tell us, tell me that water is bad for you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, then where do you get your, your water from? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's really important to drink, stay hydrated. My wife's grandmother was in a, an assisted living place that they forgot to give her her fluids one day, and she lost the ability to speak. And we were freaking out, thinking that she had a stroke or something, and, and we asked about the fluids, and they said, oh, no, no, we'll give them to her right now. And the next day, she's totally fine. I mean, it's frightening how important water is. It is. It is. Well, if you think about it, our body's comprised mostly of water. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's 75%. No, it's 70 or 75% water, just like the ocean is to our, to our, our you know, mainlands. Right, and that's why the, the that's why the omega threes are so important for the brain because it's sixty percent fat and uh, about seventy to eighty percent water. So I mean, it's really mm-hmm. important to to get everything that the body's made of is what you need to keep it healthy. Absolutely. So again, your product is called Brain Med, and that's to uh-huh. opti- optimize brain health. And it's not just for people with concussions; it's for just about everyone. No. Right, just to make sure you're optimizing your function and, and mm-hmm. living at your highest level neurologically. Yes, and then your website is called concussion.com? Concussionclass.com is the web. Oh, okay, concussionclass.com. Yeah, and you can go straight to the um, get more information about the supplement at mybrainmed.com. Okay, mybrainmed.com. And then... What is your phone number where you practice in case somebody would like to reach you for an appointment? It is 714-962-5891. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but you've been extremely informative. And um, I know I learned a lot. I know I learned a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Thank Glad you, Dr. John Absolutely. DeWitt. Thanks, Denise. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That wraps up our show for today. Thank you so much for listening in. We'll have another great guest for you next Wednesday. Tune in at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is also 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?